1: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. But what pleases me, the heart of this team, this was a long time coming, and a lot of things had to happen to get a team that's gonna go fight a top 10 team like that. Six weeks ago, we went to Ann Arbor and played a team like that, and we had no chance. And we walked out of there with our tail between our legs. Now seeing how the guys are banding together and fighting and going blow for blow with a team like that, I'm excited at the same time that I'm really upset and disappointed we didn't find a way.
2: I think there's a lot of frustration because we wanted this one really bad, you know, with everything that's happened in the last two years and the way that the games have gone. But there's a lot of optimism too. I think these guys on this team should be really excited for what's coming. And you know, we still have three games left and we feel like we can win all three of them. So we're going to be ready to roll back to work on Monday and and we're excited for the last three games.
1: The great thing coming out of the locker room, our
3: guys are upset. Our guys are, are mad that they didn't win the football game. And coaches are mad that we didn't win the football game because they came here expecting to win. And that is is that that is a big step forward. And welcome here to this
4: edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washead, and Nate Klaus as we will get you ready for Saturday's Nebraska-Illinois game. It's another 11 a.m. football game right now of the 13 scheduled games for Nebraska when you count Akron. They've had seven now at 11 a.m. with potentially eight. We don't know the Michigan State kickoff yet until uh, Saturday night or Sunday. But uh, Illinois comes to town after Nebraska, fresh off a 36-31 loss at Ohio State. And um, you don't ever want to use moral victory, um, but when you consider just the history of the series and how Nebraska's played Urban Meyer coach teams, average margin of victory for Urban Meyer versus Nebraska had been 42 points. The Huskers had every opportunity to win that game in Columbus. And you just got the sense Saturday was one of those culture-changing days in the early tenure of Scott Frost here at Nebraska. And Now they'll have two in a row here at home against Illinois and Michigan State before they close with Iowa. But um, I think today or Saturday is going to be big in a lot of ways, Robin, just to see – what this team does after such an emotional uh, performance where they gave Ohio State more and all they wanted on Saturday.
3: Yeah, I mean, that was a game, realistically, they should have won. Uh, Had the special teams not been a complete disaster, I think Nebraska wins that game. And uh, you're talking about an even bigger cultural shift um, already in the Scott Frost era. But even so... Uh, you saw this team play by far its best football game of the season. Given the, the level of competition they were facing, uh, the environment and 100,000-plus fans in one of the most difficult road venues in the country, um, to, to go in and play a team like that that was playing for their college football playoff lives um, and nearly pull off the victory uh, just said a lot about uh, how much different Nebraska is from where it was a month ago. Um, and so now... If that's going to continue, um, this weekend is a game Nebraska not only needs to win, they need to win handily. Illinois is a bad team. I don't care what they did against Minnesota. Minnesota's probably even worse. But They Illinois, fired their coordinator yeah, in the middle of the season. Illinois' defense is one of the worst in all of college football, and their offense isn't that great. They have a former Husker cast-off running the show at quarterback and really outside of their running backs uh, don't do much of anything uh, that poses much of a threat. So the, the next step here is not only to compete with the best of the Big Ten, but dominate the lower end of the conference win those games in convincing manner uh, and send a message to the rest of the league that you have separated yourself from that basement of the conference yeah
0: i think that they obviously showed that they can play with the best of the best and so now it's time to beat the teams that you should beat and and in this case i think that they they should be able to beat illinois quite handily but uh, going back to Ohio State I mean I, th- I think the thing I was most impressed about was that this was a team that they didn't seem to be you know um, timid or afraid to, to go in there and, and go toe-to-toe with a team like Ohio State I mean how many years have we seen uh, a Nebraska team go into a big game and just completely fall apart like right away and and that didn't happen. You had a true freshman going into the horseshoe and scoring on their on their first possession of the game, kind of setting a tone. And uh, I think that was really refreshing to see, um, aside from just the progress that this team has made, I think that maybe that shift in mentality that, hey, we can play with anybody is is probably one of the bigger takeaways that I had from that game.
4: Well, another thing, too, guys, is penalties and mental mistakes hurt this team so much early in the year. And we always said, man, it would be interesting to know what it would look like if Nebraska just wasn't getting in their own way on offense, and we are finally seeing that the holding calls have been really gone the last two or three games for Nebraska. We haven't seen the back-breaking penalty, you know, by that offensive line, or even false start penalties um, that really hurt this team. Uh, at times this year so I, I think those improvements as far as the mental side of the game goes for the offense have really gone a long way with the maturation of uh, adrian martinez
3: yeah and you know you're seeing that progress but again uh you know going back to my point of special teams that has been the one thing that hasn't gotten any better and you could argue it's probably gotten worse uh over the course of the season uh it, Poor Caleb Lightborn. Uh, you know he got the brunt of the backlash towards that, but it wasn't just him. Uh, you know the return game continues to be a struggle. Basically, outside of J.D. Spielman's run back against Bethune Cookman, uh, they haven't done anything in the return game. Whether <laughs> like be, how you say Bethune Cookman. <laughs> uh, whether it was kick returns or punt returns, it's been non-existent. Uh, they gave up the block punt against Ohio State that uh, helped shift the momentum early on, and so really just across the board special teams have been a total disaster, and they've made zero progress in that regard. So while the offense is clicking at the, you know, a higher rate than it has all season, the defense is playing great football, taking the, taking the ball away, creating game-changing turnovers, that third element, I think, is the one big thing holding this team back from finally taking that next step. Yeah, I think the coverage units have gotten
0: better, but a lot of that, too, is probably has to do with the change that they made at punter. I know Isaac Armstrong, um, it seems like he's – He's been able to to pl- place the the football better, punt it farther, uh, obviously. Uh, so that's helped out some of the the punt coverage there. But yeah, the the decision making as far as the returns is, is kind of questionable. You know, guys electing to take the ball out of the end zone and only getting to the the 13, yeah, 13, 15 yard line is. Um, you know, I, I get wanting to make a play and being confident in yourself, but at the same time, you have to be kind of smart to know that hey, you could just k- fair catch it and get the ball at the 25 and hand it over to your your offense. That's uh, you know, been improving and moving the football. But, uh, but yeah, that is that is the one phase of the game that, that you hope to see uh, more improvement here over the next three games.
4: Well, and as we talk uh, opening storylines here, this weekend, weather will be a little bit colder, really for probably the final part of these next few weeks. We're going to get a chance to see – what this Scott Frost offense can do in, in more traditional big 10 type weather. Um, and Adrian Martinez, a California kid from Fresno, how he operates more in, in, in those climate conditions. And, um, you know, I don't expect it to be frigid, but it's going to be in the upper twenties, low thirties, uh, probably around 11 AM at kickoff here on Saturday.
3: Yeah. There's a Friday night low of 14 degrees. And so welcome to winter, Adrian Martinez. Uh, you know, he, he, kind of blew it off a little bit saying, Hey, I have hand warmers on my uniforms. The, the benches are heated. Uh, it's not going to be that big of a deal, but you know, Frost never ran an offense in 20 degree temperatures, you know, at Oregon or at, especially not at Central Florida. So uh, this is going to be a wrinkle. I don't think it's going to do anything to massively set back what they do. Um, but it, cold weather changes games. I mean, you see it at all levels, even up under the NFL. And with an offense that um, is finally starting to hit its stride, you got to wonder is the change of season, you know, is, is that going to have an impact? And if so, how much?
0: Yeah, I I was going to say, it's not just the quarterback here. It's the whole coaching staff coming from Orlando. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, a lot of these guys are, are not used to the cold. Uh, so that, that will be interesting to see, you know, how much, if any, that, that really impacts the game. But uh, it's definitely going to play a factor uh, down the stretch here over the next you know, three weeks or so. Uh, is, uh, you, you can't expect things to get much warmer than, than what they have been.
4: Well, we've got a whole show here on tap. We'll get you ready for Saturday's Nebraska-Illinois game and also talk some recruiting here with Nate Klaus as Nebraska with two home games kind of what the plan of attack is here Um, and we'll get some final thoughts as well as what went wrong with the Wandell Robinson situation for the Big Red that's all next here on this week's edition of the Husker Online Show
1: you're listening to the Husker Online Show your authority on Nebraska athletics yeah that's you know you can only get so much better
0: without you know getting the result you want so you're just going to keep keep working, keep trying to, you know, keep keep getting better, but definitely wins are, wins are what this team is gonna, is the next step for this team, I think. And if it's not now, it's definitely gonna be the future. This team's gonna just continue to get better. Um, it really just comes
2: down to, in my opinion, to belief. And uh, this team has really just started to believe in what the coaches are telling them and, and in our own abilities. And we know we can compete with any team in the country, and that includes Ohio State.
4: And welcome back here to the Husker Online show, the segment of the show brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill, five locations in Omaha, one here in Lincoln. Get on into Tanner's here on Saturday uh, to watch all the college football action or after the Husker game on your way back from Lincoln and um, any one of the Omaha locations or even here in Lincoln after uh, the game ends. Uh, it's Tanner's with uh, five in Omaha and one here in Lincoln and you just heard from Divino Zigbo and Adrian Martinez, guys, just kind of talking about the state of where this uh, program is at right now. And to me, it's quite amazing almost that this team is two and seven and how positive the message continues to be. Uh, I haven't been around a lot of two and seven teams in my time covering sports and football, um, but I can't imagine there are very many, Robin, where the message continues to stay this strong. And even with the fan base and the former players, everybody just seems to know. I mean, it's almost like there's no doubt at all with anybody that this is not going to work. I mean, everybody is on board um, with things, and it's really made a pretty interesting message here, despite the record of the season.
3: Yeah, I mean, really the record is the one thing taking away from uh, an otherwise completely optimistic uh, season. I mean, the the way that this team has gotten progressively better week in, week out um, with – last weekend probably being their best overall game of the season, um, you know, really makes you feel good about uh, the, the future and where this thing is headed. And, yes, you know, 2-7 is what it is. You know, the, the, your rec- you are what your record is, but uh, you know, when you compare what they showed on film against Ohio State compared to what they showed against Michigan – they're not even the same team, in my opinion. Uh, they have come so far just in their overall confidence as a team. You know, Frost said, you know, I think you played that in the open where, uh, you know, he said against Michigan, they didn't believe they could win that game, and it showed exactly like that uh, with the way they performed in that game. Whereas Ohio State, they went to Columbus truly believing not only they had a chance to contend with the number ten team in the country, but to go in there and win. and They came a couple plays away from doing it. So um, that in itself speaks volumes to the job that this coaching staff has done, just rebuilding the culture of this program from scratch to where when they took over, this thing was a complete – Tire fire. I mean, they, they were a disaster across all fronts um, where they were just a, a complete mess. And the, where they are from then to now uh, is really a commendable job that this, you know, Scott Frost and his coaches, um, even if the record doesn't show it, anyone that watches Nebraska play sees how far they've come in that time.
0: Yeah, the rebuild goes far beyond just the X's and O's and, and the roster of this team. It's It's been a mental, you know, rebuild too. And uh, and, and that's to me. That's the most impressive part of being around the team uh, week in and week out. Is is just how how positive these guys are. I think if you if you brought someone from the outside and and kind of put them around the program for a week. Uh, and they had no knowledge of what the what the record was, they would they'd tell you that this is probably a team that's contending for for at least the West or is going to be playing, you know, as aspirations to to make it to Indianapolis at at the end of the year. So to me, that's the most impressive uh, part of all of this. And um, and then to hear seniors say, uh, you know, boy, I, I wish that I was going to be around a couple more years. And, and you know, telling the young guys I wish we were going to, you know, have a chance to, to uh, play some more football under this coaching staff, I think that kind of signifies the overall level of optimism that all these guys have.
4: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus as, as we talk uh, offensive storylines. And, guys, I'll tell you, after watching Ohio State play in Nebraska on offense, if there's one thing it's taught me is the, the value of a QB run game. We saw what Nebraska looked like last year without a quarterback run game, and now we're seeing what it can do, especially in the red zone when you kind of get in that first and goal on like the six or seven. Just the, the ability to have a quarterback that can do both things has paid big for Nebraska because it's allowed things to happen in the red zone where on the flip side, Ohio State, this is the first time they haven't had a dual threat guy that can run and throw um, you know, like the way Urban Meyer wants to. And I think it's hurt them. And, um, you know, I, I just think the sky is the limit when you start to look at Adrian Martinez, especially as he grows. Um, he, he can do both so equally impressive that this offense is going to get harder and harder to stop.
3: Yeah, and, you know, you talk about Nebraska getting better and better every week. It's because, of, in a big part, that Adrian Martinez is getting better by the week. And he is playing Really impressive football, and you always have to kind of remind yourself that he's 18 years old and is in his first season of college football and didn't play a single game as a high school senior. I mean, what what he's doing right now is remarkable, and what really um, adds on top of that is just the natural – or national – uh, response he's gotten from you know media types that are watching him play.
4: Well, very few had really had seen a lot of him until yeah. I mean because Nebraska hasn't been on much national. Yeah. TV. That's why
3: that Ohio State game was so valuable for the program to play the way they did. Um, you know, obviously that caught a lot of attention, but you know with Adrian, um, kind of the rest of college football got to see what's in store for Nebraska. And you talk about a great recruiting pitch. You know, to have that game on every national television uh, for recruits to watch. You know, the the quarterback that's going to be there for the next. You know two to three years um you know, that coaching staff has to love being able to go into living rooms and sell that but uh you know adrian martinez is just getting started and you see you know what this staff has done with quarterbacks, you know, at their previous stops, uh, there's no reason, in my opinion, why he can't be just as good as a Marcus Mariota. Well, he's probably
4: better at this age than Mariota.
3: Yeah, I'm saying he's he's going to be at that level and maybe even better uh, if he's able to stay healthy and continue on the rapid progression he's been on already.
0: Well, it's not just that he's, you know, physically superior, athletically superior too. You you listen to him talk, and I mean, sounds not, like a 30 year old NFL vet. Exactly. I mean, he's he sounds like a um, this does not sound like a true freshman. I mean, he sounds better. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but he sounds better than a lot of the the past quarterbacks that Nebraska's had in, in recent memory. And he's only a true freshman, and so. Um, you know, I, the, the guys have bought in to him being the leader. He is a leader. Um, and you're seeing other parts of the offense, too, grow as they be- become more comfortable in the system. And the offensive line, I think, has taken a step forward. Uh, you know, the, I think everyone, really, as they become more comfortable, uh, are kind of taking a step forward along with Adrian. And, uh, and you're right, Adrian, he's a special, special player. Well,
4: and Mario Vardusco said this week, you know, after he made that mistake, uh, where he had the turnover at Ohio State is really only costly mistake of the game that that hurt the team. Um, he, he got on the headset and and Adrian was so calm about it that he thought something was wrong. He goes, "Are you okay?" And <laughs> I mean, he couldn't believe how calm he was. And Mario's like, "I didn't even really yell at him because he knew that he made a mistake." He goes, "Now if this happened next year, I might yell at him a little bit more." Um, but I think this coaching staff knows they're playing a little bit with house money right now. I mean, the season itself is is where it's at and. Adrian, I think, has delivered. I mean, when if you were to set out a preseason expectation, there's no way anyone could have thought this is what you're going to get. And, 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 it, and it keeps going up. That's the scary thing.
3: Yeah, it's, it's not even close to what we I mean. There's questions of whether or not he'd even be the starter.
4: I mean, Jebbia, a couple of us thought Jebbia had the job at yeah, one point.
3: Yeah, for, for at least week <clears> one. I mean, I, I was probably in that camp for a bit, um, along with a few others. But, uh, you know, on Wednesday, it's funny, uh, the Broyles Award fi- uh, nominees, 53 coaches, assistant coaches were uh, nominated for the Broyles Award, which is given to the so- top assistant in college football. And Nebraska's nominee was Mario Verdusco, which is essentially <laughs> the Adrian Martinez Award yeah. because um, his development and his play uh is directly making this entire coaching staff look a whole lot better
0: well i think coming into the year we all knew that adrian martinez's legs might be what gave him the advantage over jebbia um but i mean he's he's been his arm talent is is certainly there and and he not only can he throw it far but he's extremely accurate too i mean he's his, his completion percentage is, is off the charts right now.
4: I would have loved to have been in the mind of Urban Meyer as he watched him play Saturday. And when they had him on an official visit, that would have been interesting to know his thought now of, like, you know what? Maybe we probably should have taken this Martinez kid. because he, Or he pushed harder. Or pushed harder. But uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to switch over to defensive storylines. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show.
1: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
3: It's good and bad for me. You know, It's bad because we didn't win the football game. We, we needed to win the football game. We should have won the football game. We had the opportunity to win it on defense and, and leave the
0: offense sit on the bench. I, I love our offense. And I want them to score 100 points, but there's some games where I want to go out there and win it. the defense. I want the defense to go out there and win it. So I feel hungry. I feel good energy, but I also feel like um, we got a long way to go.
4: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Wachett, and Nate Klaus. That was defensive coordinator Eric Shenander. Uh, just discussing his group's performance last week at Ohio State. And um, it was the first time since 2014 a Nebraska defense has forced three turnovers in back-to-back games. And you're starting to see that happen. I know, Robin, when the season started, everybody discussed, like, oh, you're going to see way more turnovers forced," But, you know, we got five, six, seven games into the year, and and you just weren't seeing it at the rate we thought we were going to see. Then all of a sudden – um, these last two games, you're seeing guys actively punching the ball out. You know, JoJo Doman comes in the last two weeks, forces two fumbles. He's now forced three fumbles in his last five games when you go back to the Music City Bowl in 2016. Luke Gifford makes a play. Lamar Jackson makes an interception. Um, so you're starting to see guys make more plays. And when you have an offense like Adrian Martinez and Scott Frost on the other side, all you got to do is give them a couple of these opportunities extra per game, and, and that's going to be the difference.
3: Yeah, and I think it's just all signs of this team really embracing the mindset that Shenander and that defensive staff have been trying to instill in these guys since day one. You know, it's taken some time. Uh you know, that's that goes back to that whole, you know, was it desire to succeed, no fear of failure. Um, that's legitimately how they want their guys to play. And this is a team that got burned so often last year that they were so scared to give up big plays that they didn't want to take any chances. Uh, and you saw them play. You know, that, that was still part of their um, just their game uh, to start to, to start the season. And it's taken a few weeks. Um, and then finally, getting some of those turnovers to kind of uh, get that light bulb to go on uh, where guys are going to start taking a little more chances, make plays on football rather than just make the tackle. Uh, and that's a direct result of the turnovers that we've been seeing in the past few weeks. Ohio State fumbled the ball four other times in that game that Nebraska didn't recover. So they had three turnovers and could have had potentially even four more on top of that, uh, you know, had they been in the right place. And so. Um, I think that that's just a real credit to this. When well, everybody
4: said during the game too, oh, it's Ohio State. But I mean, give credit to Nebraska on a lot of those plays. I mean, guys were making plays on the ball, but a lot of people were trying to say it was Ohio State screwing up.
3: Yeah. Dwayne Haskins didn't just drop the ball. Jojo Doman popped him and knocked the ball yeah. out. I mean, and Lamar Jackson made a great play in coverage in the end zone and picked off the pass. I mean, those are the types of plays they were not making earlier in the season. And so, yeah, maybe Ohio State had a bad game, but Nebraska forced the issue on a lot of those turnovers. And the same thing with Bethune-Cookman the week before. Uh, you know that That's a huge step for this defense because we've said time and again how important turnovers are to everything this defense does. You know They're going to give up yards. They're going to give up some points. But they're going to make the game-changing plays with turnovers, sacks, and tackles for loss. And we've been seeing all three of those things, maybe outside of sacks, get better as the season goes on. Well, and that's
0: been a point of emphasis from day one for Eric Turnander, and, and they work on it every day in practice, uh, or at least three three times a, a week. Uh, they they have a dedicated practice time to to uh, you know stripping the ball out and, and you know working on on making plays on the football and creating turnovers. And, and you're starting to see, I think that it's it's gone from the practice field to the football field now. It's becoming a habit uh, to automatically go for the the, the strip or, or to punch the football out and. Um, and I think that's only going to continue to, to uh, you know manifest itself in more and more turnovers and you're right there's the, the ball was on the ground four other times and Ben Stilley said you know that, that had the effort been a little bit better and, and you know they, they could have you know, come up with the football uh, at least a couple other times so uh, that's still some things that they're trying to improve upon but I think once this defense kind of kind of gets there and continues to take those steps uh, it's going to become the norm instead of you know kind of an anomaly to see this many turnovers in back-to-back games.
4: And, guys, as you look at this game with Illinois, the challenge for the defense will be A.J. Bush. And, and you know, he's going to run triple options on read and and really, I think, put some stress on this Nebraska defense. And, and that, to me, will be the biggest key on Saturday because A.J. Bush has a big arm, um, but he's never been a real consistent thrower. But his ability to do things with his feet and how Nebraska keeps containment on there and can they maybe – force that turnover down the field that Lamar Jackson and some other guys talked about this week out of Bush. I think that's going to be one of the bigger keys.
3: Yeah, and you know that that they're going to present a lot of challenges with kind of the triple option spread element they bring. Uh, Reggie Corbin has been lights out. I think he ran for like 200 some plus against Minnesota uh, and he's one of the top running backs in the Big Ten Conference this season, but outside of that, Illinois doesn't do a lot. You know, They don't have much on the perimeter uh, and so basically if they're not breaking off big runs and having success you know on the ground uh, they're not scoring much and so the other element to that though is you know a lot of that triple option spread element is what nebraska runs you know so nebraska's defense they've seen this before it's going to be a lot like with colorado you know there's a lot of similarities between colorado's offense and nebraska's and nebraska's defense played really well in that game and so i would expect a very similar uh situation this time around and you combine with the improved play and how far nebraska's defense has come from week one to now uh i I'm not overly worried uh, as long as Nebraska does what it's supposed to do and plays like it did last week. They shouldn't have any trouble with AJ Bush. Yeah, I like the Colorado comparison, except Illinois.
0: AJ Bush is not Montez, no, not even close. <laughs> so, um, you know, I don't think even think he's thrown for over a thousand yards so far, so far in the season. So he
4: was hurt a little bit, but yeah, yeah. He, he's been pretty. I mean, he hasn't been a very consistent quarterback.
0: Yeah, and and, and they don't have the guys, uh, the receivers, you know, that, that that really scare you like a. Like Colorado had a couple of guys uh, that that could really make some big plays. So you know, if Nebraska is able to to not necessarily stop the run game, but at least slow it down and and keep AJ Bush in particular from from uh, you know getting things going from that quarterback position. I you know I I don't see why uh, the defense shouldn't have a pretty big game because uh, they are fairly one dimensional in that regard.
4: Well, and if Nebraska has any aspirations, guys, of getting to a bowl game at five and seven, this is a game they obviously have to win for that reason. But also, Illinois is a four win team, and they've got you know this is a game that they think they they can win. They got Northwestern on their schedule as well, and one other one down the stretch. Um, So for them, they're in a situation where they could maybe obviously get in with a six and six, but you know, if they just get one win at five and seven, they're going to be in the conversation. So um, there's some high stakes for both teams. And, you know, I'm still not convinced this Levy Smith thing is even going to work at Illinois. And, and th- this is kind of a, a big moment for him and his tenure there uh, as AD Josh Whitman has kind of gone all in, but they've got some major facility projects and things they're trying to do at Illinois. And, they're going to need a good football program to be able to accomplish those things.
3: Yeah. It seems like Lovey Smith is on the coaching hot seat list every time they come out uh, you know, over the past couple of seasons. But I think the key is that Whitman is all in on it. And they're
4: broke. Illinois as a state is broke.
3: Yeah. And so, I mean, the idea that they're going to go pay a bunch big buyout, uh, you know, to, to fire a coach and bring somebody else in, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily high on their priority list. So as you know, average or mediocre of a job Lovey has done so far i just don't know if he's going anywhere yeah well and, and i see the ad going down with this
0: ship if if it's if this is not going to work out it's I a think two-man th- ship yeah, it's a two-man <laughs> ship in my in my opinion from from the way that i see things uh if this isn't working i think they're going to be replacing more than just a football coach
4: well it will be interesting to see kind of what they do but at the state of illinois though in general i mean financially look at Northern Illinois, they had to play four power five games this year um, just to make ends meet to pay their budget. Um, And, you know, Illinois is not filling up their football games. I don't know what they're doing for basketball, but Brad Underwood's a good coach there at least. They just
3: remodeled their whole arena, so they spent a bunch of money there.
4: But And that's not even close to the – I mean, the the projects they're doing there are as big as any in the Big Ten right now. So uh, there's a lot of financial pressure on the Illini for Lovey Smith to work out because – uh, I don't know what their plan B would be, um, you know, if, if things would fall out. But when we come back, uh, we're going to bring a Husker Online intern, Alec Rome. He's going to join us here on the mailbag. We'll take your questions next Here, You're listening to the Husker Online Show.
1: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
0: I mean, I kind of actually know AJ personally. Like, I, I know he was here only, like from my freshman year, but we got close while I was here. I kind of know him as a person, so it's gonna be fun. Hopefully, I will be able to pick him off because I know he's gonna give me a chance. So. Do you know his tendencies. Yeah, a little better? Uh, yeah, I know he's gonna throw the ball deep for sure, regardless. So. He doesn't we, like to go underneath. Nah, him. yeah, he trying to he trying to sling it, show off that arm. Yeah. But yeah, we finna try to get her deep the ball. We gonna be running with the receivers.
4: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus, and Alec Rome, as you just heard from Lamar Jackson, the always very quotable Lamar Jackson with some hot takes on how he plans to defend his former friend and teammate, or his current is still friend and now former teammate, A.J. Bush, but it's time for your questions in the mailbag, and joining us here in studio is Husker Online intern Alec Rome.
2: Hey, what's going on?
4: Not much, my friend. What do you have to start us out here in the mailbag?
2: Well, you know, that battle between Lamar Jackson and Bush will be very interesting, but how will the black shirts, the entire black shirts defense, do against a dual threat quarterback? Can they stop a running quarterback at this point in the season?
4: Well, they, they've seen a, a few out there. I mean, David Blau um, has hurt them with his legs. Thorson at times could have done it. Montez at Colorado to an extent did it. I mean, so they've seen guys like this, um, Shea Patterson at Michigan, uh, but I think Bush is a little different because I think he's 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 bigger and, and he runs better, so it is going to be a challenge because it's essentially another running back back there at times when he wants
3: to take off and run. Yeah, Bush is their second-leading rusher on the season, and he's one of those guys with – His stride. It's like he's taking six yards a step. So if he gets a seam, he's going to separate pretty quickly just because of how much ground he can cover. So uh, I think just gap responsibility, you know, gap integrity, gap integrity, you know, (laughs) the linebackers, uh, you know, having uh, their eyes where they need to be, not getting because not only do they do the zone read stuff, they do a lot of like counter rushes and cutback runs uh, to where they try and get defenses to overpursue. So Nebraska has to kind of. Control its aggression in its pursuit, and make sure they're taking the proper angles. And once they get to the football, they got to make sure they wrap up.
0: Yeah, those run fits are going to be big uh, this week, and you saw a couple times guys got out of their run fit against Ohio State, and that led to some bigger runs uh, that kind of hurt too, especially so, in the third quarter. Exactly. So, uh, so I think that's that's crucial this weekend, and, and yeah, AJ Bush, six four, two hundred or yeah, two hundred thirty pounds. He's he's kind of a thoroughbred. You can't really
2: uh, let him get going. Now, if you could change the outcome of one play this season, what would it be and why? Oh, man, that's a great
4: question. I already know mine. I know mine. Um, (laughs) God, I have to go first on this one. I I would say the J.D. Spielman drop pass on fourth down against Colorado that if he catches the ball, Nebraska wins the game.
3: Yeah, I'll go to the uh, tackle and the ankle twist by Colorado's linebacker that hurt Adrian Martinez. Knocked him out of the game, made him play Andrew Bunch not only to end the Colorado game, which what they lost, but then he missed the next game against Troy, which if he would have played, Nebraska beats Troy. Thanks, Robin. Um, And they'd be two and zero to start the
0: year.
4: Like what he said.
3: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) you took mine, but I will
0: go with the the Stanley Morgan drop in the end zone. Uh, in that Colorado game. Oh, yeah. Uh, He was wide open. He was wide open, and that was a ball that he
2: should never have dropped. A lot of of plays in that Colorado game. What do you
4: have, Alec? What's (laughs) yours?
2: I mean – even this weekend against Ohio State, the, the one play... The Spielman. The Spielman one, which was essentially to tie the oh, game no up. Oh, no doubt. Or the, or the missed enough. onside kick.
3: You know, that, yeah, that, that it, one wasn't very flattering. That was wide open there. If, if Lightburn gets the ball just on a normal onside kick, they will uh, recover the onside kick and have a chance to go up 14 nothing to start the game. Changes the entire complexion. It almost reminds me of the Sean
2: Payton halftime at Super Bowl. Mm-hmm, they they were wide mm-hmm. open, caught him just completely unexpected, and there's a huge reason why the Saints won that try
4: did it against clemson as well yeah, i mean yep. it, it takes it takes some you know what to make that call in in nebraska <laughs> unfortunately they got a gift out of it That was about it i mean yep. uh, they're gonna <laughs> have a lifetime gift from caleb lightborn on that onside kick what do you got
2: next uh which commit from this class are you personally most excited to see play for nebraska
0: oh boy i, I mean there's a lot of guys um that i'm excited to see play for nebraska i think that uh, the two that really, really stand out to me um, is, is one is not so not, not the, the sexy type of skill guy, you know, that's going to be making big plays. It's Bryce Benhart. I think that you got a you got a legit NFL type you know type tackle here coming in so uh, i'm excited to see his career um and then you know another one is is uh dedrick mills uh, i think that he could be a guy that comes in and fills that void uh, that's going to be left by divino zigbo right away so those are two off the top of my head that i that i'm really excited to see i'll
4: say jackson Hanna um I, I i really like mills too that was gonna be one of my guys uh, but nate took two on a <laughs> I'm just, just give you hard time, um, but no, I, I like um, Jackson Hanna um, and, and just what the opportunity is going to be at inside linebacker. I think him and Nick Henrich, both being early enrollees, are going to have an opportunity uh, when you lose all these linebackers like Dedrick Young and and some of the other guys in the program. So Hannah really interests me as well as Henrich.
2: All right, what do you got next, Robin? It's time for a little bit of an overreaction. Let's is go. It, is it time to book Final Four tickets?
3: Yeah, the fact that it's in Minneapolis this year, I would start getting your hotels. Um, okay. Make, make, it, right. make it a week-long stay, uh, you know, for the not only the Final Four, but for the national championship afterwards. The, the question is, how does Nebraska match up with Duke? I think that's probably what we need yeah, to start I evaluating. Think that's that's um, definitely true. Um, maybe, maybe start previewing. Well, they've
4: gotten a good look at Kansas the last two years. This is right, yeah. And so,
3: so. yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, going back to that game, it – that may have been one of the worst teams I've ever seen play. Uh, Mississippi Valley State was atrocious, and I knew it was going to be a lopsided kind of whole hum game. I, I never would have expected it would get that ugly that quick to where I spent basically the entire second half looking up largest win since, lowest opponent field goal percentage <laughs> since, uh, least points scored. I mean, it, it was kind of one of those games. Could Wayne
4: State have beat that team? I think so. <laughs>
3: oh, yeah. I think so. Wow.
2: I definitely think the big difference in that was just like the Wayne State shooting, even for Nebraska, was really bad when we mm-hmm. were there. Like we could tell right away, and just a quick jump up to about was it fifty-five percent field goal shooting? That was a big improvement and a quick turnaround.
3: Yeah. And that that Mississippi Valley State team had lost its previous two exhibition games to Tougaloo State <laughs> and and Delta State. So I think Wayne well, State Wayne State would have had wow. a heck of a chance. Tougaloo
4: State, you you learn about a lot, a lot of schools. <laughs> Virginia Lynchburg was one that Bethune Cookman played this yep, year in yep. football. Um, okay. so I'm, I'm learning some new schools I never knew existed. Wow. We got time for at least a couple more. What do you have, Alec?
2: Um, strength coach Zach Duval appears to have had a major impact in re-energizing re-energ- the football career of Divino Zigbo, which other Huskers also stand out as examples of the Duval effect. Hmm. <sighs>
4: yeah, and, and I think the strength coach is important, but it also is the player. I mean, the player has to be motivated um, to want to do all the other things, and 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 that that that's one where with Ozigbo, I think nutritionally and and the other things that are out there, he's really taken advantage of that. As far as other guys, um, man, on the offensive line. I think you can look at left tackle. Brendan Hymas, I think, has really um, matured and, and turned. I mean, he's got two more years left now, and, and I think he's going to have a really, really good career here, and, and you're seeing kind of him step it up. I mean, I, I don't feel like he's been beat for a bad sack in a long time.
3: Yeah, and you know there are plenty of other guys who have made both the physical gains, which I think is accredited credit to all, but uh, the whole coaching staff. Like Sean, you mentioned, I think the mental side is just as important. You know, Lamar Jackson turning his career around. Um, you know, there there are plenty of other players that um, you could go down the list, but uh, another note to this Duvall thing is not only have guys made physical gains, they're staying healthy. I mean, look at the injury situation now compared to it was a year ago when seemingly like the entire receiving core would be out with a hamstring injury and just like one soft tissue injury after another. And so the, the nutrition changes I think play part of that. You know, guys are just, eating better and fueling their bodies better. Duvall has them working out in a much smarter way to where uh, they're still making gains without overloading uh, the strain on their body. And uh, we're starting to see that with a team that's had to play going on, what, 10 straight games now? Uh, they're in pretty good shape considering all that.
0: Yeah, I think one player that has not only made gains but has has been able to stay healthy, and and you could probably credit a lot of that to Zach Duval is Luke Gifford. Good one. Um, I mean, he all throughout his entire career has kind of battled injuries. It seems like every single season there's been a point where he's either been knocked out for the year or or he's battled a, an injury, and uh, I think that he's one guy that's benefited uh, very very uh, very much from Zach Duval. All right, we got
4: less than a minute left. One quick one, Alec. What do you all have? All
2: right, very quickly, the Husker Online crew starting a band what type of band is it who's playing what and what's the band name
3: <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have some sort of like rap group and we're gonna be the trash bag boys because <laughs> nate and i had to both trash bags after the akron akron game when it was yeah. pouring rain walking back to the car and so uh sean will run the ones and twos beat the dj nate and i'll rap
4: nate likes to play the and brass Alec bells be our hype man the brass bells name, <laughs> right? right? <the> brass bells. <laughs> inside, insider Tra- joke there from the Red Sea Scrolls. Yeah, I don't think we'd have much of a career though, as
3: Yeah it wouldn't go very far. It wouldn't go very far. <laughs> but
4: that wraps it up here for the Mailbag segment. We come back, we'll close the show with some recruiting talk. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
1: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska Athletics. The well, thing we don't want to do is bring in 20 guys. You can't entertain 20 guys on on a weekend where we have a, a huge senior day week, you know big game. I, I, you know, we want to be able to get these guys as many as we can up to see our venue and everything. But also you want to be smart and not, you know, put ourselves in a position where we can't do a good job. So we're, we're evaluating that final weekend, uh, you know, who will come up. I mean, there will be some opportunities potentially for some older guys to come up, but we, we, we still have to make sure we're smart and bringing and not overdoing it for us because then you don't do a good job. I mean, we want them to see it, but we also want to do and sell what we have here with, you know, the meetings. and you know all the different stuff that that we have to get done on these official visit weekends during the season
4: and welcome back here to the Huntscar line show final segment of the show that was running backs coach ryan hell just discussing uh the overall game plan nate as we talk recruiting um you know this weekend being an 11 a.m game it's gonna be cold out i don't i don't know i mean it's not going to really be much of a recruiting weekend but i think Everyone's interested in how this Michigan State game is going to play out. Nebraska's already got a number of kids lined up. Uh, my question to you, first of all, is how many of those kids coming in would already be done at their season, where an 11 or a 2.30 kickoff time really doesn't matter?
0: Um, maybe about half of them. You know, that the Michigan State game is really going to be big for uh, junior college recruits because the junior college regular season ends uh, at, the, at after this weekend. And then um, you know, there's a there's about a two or three week, uh, you know, it's basically set up for recruiting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, basically,
4: all the midterm guys they want to give those kids like two or three weeks to to take visits, right?
0: Yeah, and you know, and they obviously they're preparing for whatever bowl game they that they were able to make it to or or whatever, uh, if they were able to. So. Um, but yeah, that, so that's going to be big for Juco guys. And then, uh, you know, there's a handful of others that, that their season is over with. Um, or, you know, if it is a 2:30 game, which you, you know, Nebraska is keeping their fingers crossed. There's no night windows by the way. It's yeah, either going to be an exactly. 11 or a 2:30 that yeah. day. So you, I mean, if you're Nebraska, you, <laughs> you better hope, hope like hell that this is a 2:30 game. Otherwise that's going to throw a wrench into at least some of the visitors that you've already got lined up coming in for that game. But uh, but I, I agree with Ryan Held. You don't want to you don't want to have twenty official visitors on campus because there's no way you can give twenty guys the type of attention that they deserve. Uh, but right now we've confirmed eight, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see that number end up being right around twelve or thirteen though.
4: How many of the JUCO guys have confirmed they're coming in, and do you have a sense from like talking to the Jeff Simses of the world and other guys, the coaches that we know at places like Garden City? You know if things are kind of lining up because I know a lot of the Garden City kids don't really do interviews anyway, so I mean, could you see some surprises kind of pop up uh, here in the next few days? Yeah, I'm
0: definitely seeing some, you know, expecting some surprises to, to kind of pop up in the at least in the days leading up to the Michigan State game. Right now, we've confirmed uh, uh Diedrich Mills out of Garden City who's already committed, he's going to be on campus, uh, and then Marquise Bell, the, the safety out of Coffeeville Community College, will, will be coming up for that game. Uh, but I'm I'm anticipating maybe two or three other Juco guys uh, making it in town uh, for that game as well.
4: What about Bam, uh, the big lineman out of the Garden City? Do you have an update on him?
0: Um, Yeah, uh, Bamadeli, Olseni. I call him Bam. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and that's what he goes by Bam. Um, You know, I I don't know. That's probably going to be a guy that Nebraska elects to bring in closer to, um, you know, closer to. uh, the December signing date, or even in January. Well, because if he doesn't,
4: if you can't get here in January, maybe you kind of hold that one exactly, back.
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah, they're kind of they're in the position right now since he's not graduating in December. They they don't necessarily have to to push and bring him in as soon as possible. They can they can afford to bring him in later on in, in December or even in January since he's not a May graduate or since he's not a December graduate.
4: And now Nate, we won't get too far into what happened with Wandell Robinson. I know it was over a week ago now when when that all played out, but do you get the sense Nebraska will keep recruiting Wandell and how realistic is it when coaches go out on the road after the Black Friday game that they'll be able to even get some in home visits with Wandell Robinson?
0: There's no question Nebraska's going to continue to recruit Wandell Robinson. I mean, any time that you've had a guy of his caliber, especially, that, that was committed to you at one point in time um, silently – and then had a late, you know, ch- kind of change of heart right before, you know, kind of at the 11th hour before he was going to announce things uh, publicly. I think that, uh, you know, they've got enough time and effort invested in him, and he's that type of player that that they're most definitely going to continue to recruit. And so the question now becomes, okay, even though he's committed to the home state school that's just 30 minutes down the road, do do they let Nebraska in the house for an in-home visit? And, and I'd like to think um, – you know, this is pure speculation on my part, I guess, but I, I think that relationship between the Nebraska coaches and the Robinsons is strong enough that they, that they will have a good shot at being able to, to get in home and maybe give one last in-person pitch to the Robinson family before he signs on December 20th. Now, he is a mid-year enrollee, so the process – I mean, the, the window is small, um, but – and I said this in the chat on the Red Sea Scrolls the other day, I think that it's possible that Nebraska could flip him from Kentucky, but probably, but not probable.
4: Yeah, and you look at it, um, a team like Ohio State might try to come in there. And
0: Oh, yeah, that's the thing. It's not just Nebraska that's going to continue. If to Jeff recruit. Brom goes to Louisville, yep, you that know, could.
4: he might be looking for his Rondell Moore at, at Louisville. If, if Bobby Petrino is let go and Brom goes back to his home school, you know, Rondell Moore could easily, not Rondell Moore, but Wondell Robinson could easily be at Louisville, too.
0: Yeah, so there's, I mean, there's a there's a long time until December 20th. I mean, it is, but it isn't. In recruiting time, there's a long time until December 20th, and there's a lot of things that can happen. I mean, we saw just how, how drastic of a of a, a shift in everything went with uh, with Wandale just in the, the final 12 to 24 hours of his recruitment before he announced his decision. So, you know, you kind of extrapolate that through between now and, and December 20th, and uh, there's a lot of things that can happen.
4: So they sign on Thursday the 20th or Wednesday the 19th?
0: Uh, I, I believe – I thought it was the 20th, but it might be Wednesday the 19th. Okay, I was making sure I had my dates. It's that
4: week. It's that week. It's typically yep. a Wednesday, though, right? Typically, yeah. And then you have three full weeks, though, on the road, and that's when all the action's going to move. And, you know, if Nebraska's not in a bowl game especially, I mean, it's going to be pure chaos yeah. with the staff on the road as they're signing close to 30 guys this year, if not 30.
0: Yeah, they're at 20 commits. They're probably going to take right at right around 30 guys. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, that's going to be – as soon as the contact period opens up after the Iowa game, it's going to be kind of fast and furious. We're going to see a huge push, um, you know, for those final re- – those remaining spots. And and one thing to keep in mind is as as that early signing date approaches, I think we're going to start to see some movement across the country. You know, there's going to be some kids that start backing off their commitments. Um, you know, there's going to be maybe some, some more high-profile – players that all of a sudden pop up on Nebraska's radar uh, that, that at this present moment don't necessarily appear to appear to be you know um, in play right now so um, I think ideally Nebraska would like to to pick up uh, a couple commitments after you know between now and, and the end of that Michigan State weekend and then be able to, to really make a strong push and maybe even pull a couple surprises leading up to that early signing date
4: what do they add on their visit numbers how many I know you're never really going to run out of them but I'm more curious how many could they have left over over to use for the spring and the summer,
0: they've used 20 official visitors or 20 official visits so far, but that's before the Michigan, the Michigan State, State when, game. Yeah. So
4: they're going to be somewhere around 30 going into December. So, I mean, they might have 15 this year to use in the spring and summer. I mean, is that a fair yeah. guess?
0: I I, I'm, I said the other day that I think that, uh, you know, we'll see them have between 10 and 15 uh, official spring visits, summers. Yeah, to, to use in the spring, and that will be big. Because, and I know that that Scott Frost and the staff kind of downplayed the the early official visitors last year, but I think mostly that was because they didn't have any to use anyhow. So, uh, but I, I do think in this 2020 class, we're going to see things really take off early and and I think um, you know to have you know maybe 10 to 15 of those early visits in your in your back pocket to use is going to be very beneficial for them
4: because January in a lot of ways becomes the the May of the old but the difference is your head coach can go out in January where in May they can't go out and then May almost becomes an expedited July i mean you're you're or June you know you're trying to get kids locked up um, in the spring, and the summer now. So the the calendar has totally moved up about four months. Yeah. And in January is be going to become much different this year, I think, than ever before.
0: Yeah. So for the next month, it's going to be hard and heavy after finish 2019. Yeah, finish the 2019 class. Maybe have maybe just three or four extra spots uh, to really push for some big fish or maybe some guys that don't end up signing early that are out there. Uh, or guys that you find late in the game uh, that that uh, you know really come on, you know late bloomers or whatever you want to call them, but that 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 January is going to be uh, all 2020. It's going to be trying to get guys, get a couple 2020 commits, and then start lining up. Uh, official visits and and whatnot start trying to get guys on campus for junior days and, and, you know, the spring game and so on and so forth.
4: All right. Well, it's going to be a busy weekend uh, here in Lincoln with Huskers in Illinois. We'll have all the coverage for you on HuskerOnline.com.
1: Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.